we're only about a month behind what I said we were going to do. I don't even remember what that was at this point, so what are we talking about? We can talk about anything we want to talk, but I think we should chat a little bit about the promo that I did, which was the paperwork with Biden and Trump and mm, Pence, yes. and we were going to talk about how this is really nothing new. Yeah, yeah. It's When it's about Trump, it's a big deal. When it's about Biden, it's a big deal, but as everybody comes to learn... But I, as you can confirm as my, one of my few witnesses on this one, that I said, this is just a, this is going to be a mess of, of policy, uh, failures or lack of procedure. This isn't going to be probably anything malicious. If it's one, it's a problem. If it's two, eh, it's probably still a problem, but less likely. And now that you've got vice presidents and former presidents, and oh, it turns out this has been a problem going back for a long time. It's it's just a lack of, of good policy and procedure, in my view. Yeah, one of the things you'd mentioned, and we've talked about this before, is that Alexander Hamilton was a unique individual in the very first administration. Let's yes. see, who was that guy that was our first president? Mm. Was it uh, Abraham Lincoln, the dragon slayer? Yep, it was. Or he was a vampire slayer. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. yeah what in the Washington administration, he was head of treasury, I believe. Yep. And uh, yeah, when he when he left office, he was really mad because if if my memory is somewhat accurate, what uh, Adams won? Yeah, and then he had that duel with Aaron Burr. No, that came later. It came um, later. But but Adams won the presidential right. election because it was an uncontested seat for the first time, and he, meaning uh, Hamilton, uh, turns out he was losing it because he was thinking he was going to be, I can't read the, I can't read the exact politics though. It's been a long time since I've read the, the books on this, but basically he ended up, uh, uh, what basically stealing a bunch of documentation out of, out of the, uh, his offices and the reconstructed records that came afterwards figured out that he either misappropriated or embezzled millions of dollars back then whatever that's worth today. Surprise, even, surprise, surprise. That, that phrase, Gomer, Shazam, comes to mind. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, people who fight the hardest in a political race, especially one that shouldn't really mean a lot, I guess uh, they usually have something to hide. Um, but yeah, misappropriating documents and uh, things like that have, have or forgetting about them in the case of these politicians. Uh, I mean, I think I told you from day one, like with the Trump thing, where... Are you telling me that Trump specifically picked files and put them in a box? Then I don't believe you. That's that's dumb. Obviously, Biden, same case. Pence, same case. And Clintons and, and I'm sure the former Bush administrations and Reagan and everybody else going back to the beginning of time has had the same problem. This is definitely a case of somebody came through to clean out the offices of these people went before during the transition and there wasn't somebody with clearance standing there to look at everything to make sure that certain things didn't get put in a box. Well, you called it. So, you, you called it from the very beginning. You said this will be simply a lack of whoever is in charge of doing the paperwork and securing things, yeah. not doing their job. And I mentioned to you, I said, I totally agree. And in the, in the world of broker-dealers for securities, um, same thing with uh, insurance agencies, basically, you have compliance officers. Of course. And everybody says, oh, you know, you're a compliance officer. Yeah, you're a compliance officer. You are paid by the company. You serve 
at the um, at the discretion of the benevolent dictator, and if you do your job too well, you're fired. Yep. I mean, let's be honest about it. But the government doesn't have such problems. You have a, uh, you know, some people call it the deep state. You know, we got to give scary names to everything. Or as others will call it, uh, the steady state. Um, there's some other phrases for that. I like that one. And But it's basically, it's the permanent bureaucrats that, you know, the unelected bureaucrats, if you're listening to a right-wing talk radio, that's how they'll talk about them. But the people who are there to basically transition one one administration to the other or one uh, one head of, of a office or department to another. Because, believe it or not, those people don't have enough time to learn of, about all the intricacies of these offices. You know, they're there for, you know, a head of a cabinet might be there for two years. A president, if they're lucky, is, or, you know, what, eight. So, yep. you know, how many people can totally master the arcane bureaucracy of just one of these departments in eight years? None. So you have to have people to figure it out. And in this case, why aren't there, why aren't there transition experts in the government who have the big books that they go send, you know, the intern with the clearances from the FBI that does, you know, the counterintelligence, you know, has all the clearances with all the departments to go through and just go down when they go and clean out the president's office or the vice president or, or the state department or any of these people and just make sure that nothing that's not personal is leaving, especially classified material. Obviously that person doesn't exist because if it did, then it wouldn't have happened and they also would make follow-up checks on all the other places or residencies, residences where these people have been, right? They would check, you know, his office in, you know, in the case of Trump, they would check his office in uh, Florida, and they would check any other places that he may or may have had documents. Well, here's the thing. Because obviously they keep track of those things because they have to put equipment, you know, secure communications equipment and all that stuff in, right? Or where is a Secret Service person to do it? That makes that would make sense. Well, see, me. that's the thing. I'm going to shotgun a whole bunch of things. One, the Secret Service is there to protect and secure the President of the United States, period. They're not, they cannot testify against him. They can't, they can't do anything. Sure. The President of the United States could put a gun to somebody's head and blow their brains out. Secret Service has to keep their mouth shut. That's not what they're there for. And when somebody hears this podcast, they're going to go, that's not true. No, it is true. And it has to be that way because their job has to solely be the protection of this guy. It has to be. I mean, that's... The heads of state have been assassinated by protection personnel for years, and we haven't had that right. yet. Since the beginning of time. Exactly, since the beginning of time. But now the thing is, um, I had an interesting conversation with a person who is um, in law enforcement, we'll just say that, and I'm not going to say whether he's active or retired, well, either man or woman, I'm not going to go there, but um, the, the thing that I thought was really interesting that it was said to me, a lot of people in this agency, um, current and past, are livid over the way Trump had a subpoena served on him, and they kind of came in like they would do with other people. Biden just kind of had one of these walkthroughs. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, when we talked about it, I said, you know, that, that's just, I'm not going to go there. Well, but that's the benefits of being the sitting president. But let me just... Law enforcement treats you with kid gloves. Oh, sure. As they did Trump. I mean, you know... If, if, if the connections and the improprieties were properly investigated against a non-president, oh, man, that, that person would be in jail. Oh, of course. That would be a perp walk. Here's my point is that uh, people that are in the federal government, at least the few that I've talked to, are talking about this in how yeah. it was handled so radically different. Okay, shotgun. Shotgun is 
well, what about Paul Ryan? What about all of these people who have served in the House and the Senate on these, you know, secret committees? Yeah. What about Nancy Pelosi? I mean, her it's, husband in that situation, I'm not going to get into the, the vulgarness of it, but that, well, you got so some mine, weird stuff going on. And so yeah. if I'm going to steal secrets, I don't necessarily want, I mean, there's lots no, of ways. So, so my understanding is with, with everybody who is not, basically president and vice president um maybe wrong but my, my understanding is that they have extremely tight protocols that they follow with those people this is why i said this is a lack of protocol or, or a failure of protocol because with those people they can't take anything there's no such thing as nancy pelosi taking documents to her house there's no such thing as a congressman on a committee someplace taking things they go to a skiff Mm-hmm. A, a, secu- a secure compartment, whatever it has. A, it's a silly acronym for basically it's a secure digitally and it's a secure facility basically to view documents, meaning you see them when you're in there, you take no copies, eyes only, no electronics. It, you can't be spied on. You know, it's got a bunch of active and passive measures for it has a raised floor and it's, it, well, but like no, I it said, does. It has a lot of, a like, lot of, like I said, it has active and passive measures to prevent surveillance and monitoring and so you go to these facilities and they're they're in the capitol building they're in different places around dc obviously uh different buildings for meetings and things exist um but the obviously certain documents that are um you know eyes only that's that's what happens with them in the case of the president and vice president uh wherever they're at has to be treated as one of these facilities so that's why there's a, or at least there's a, an area on on these properties that is treated like this for these meetings so that's what that's you know people talk about oh the millions and millions that are spent by secret service on you know Trump's house or or pence and all these different things that's why they do them because you have to have a place where you know uh, you know what's hitting the fan and you have to get there you know explain or display information that otherwise uh, would require a you know special clearance so you know so i think that i think this is why this is happening because the whole white house is viewed as a secure facility or at least most of the main areas are so especially since you don't have, have tours or anything like that anymore not of any seriousness and so yeah i mean the president can take a something from the oval office or some other you know meeting room that they have either above or below ground and he drags it in the portfolio up to his desk in his private residence and you know reviews it or whatever and or sticks it in a drawer or something to review later because he has a copy right the problem again is where's the guy to during the transition to come through and clean all this stuff up because i don't have a problem they do it if it's i've never heard of any severe secure uh, breach at the white house where somebody stole documents before but Obviously, if you have an intern who's, you know, part of the uh, uh, president's re-election campaign who's real happy to help the president move out and uh, he's just shoving stuff in boxes or you have, uh, you know, some moving company. Well, I assume people that have been background checked, but who knows? <laughs> and you know, shoving just drawers of stuff in boxes. Well, who knows? Yeah, I mean, who? I mean, Hillary Clinton had FBI and tax files literally. Oh, we had them under our bed and didn't know it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well. I mean, see, so that's what I want to do. So a couple quick history things. When Lyndon Johnson uh, left the office of the presidency, um, they literally did call, I guess, Mayflower or uh, the Acme Moving Company. I don't know who they called. But when he moved back to Texas, the, uh, the old coot uh, took uh, priceless 
antiques out of the White House. I mean, he literally yeah, and then he literally stripped the White House of furniture and went back to um, back to the LBJ Ranch. Lady Bird knew it. Uh, the old coot was uh, he had has had several heart attacks. He had his first big heart attack when he was, I think, a member of Congress or could have been his first year as a as a senator. I'll come back to landslide Linda in just a minute. Oh boy! But. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And slowly the Secret Service kept uh, bringing things back and back and back. Eventually he died, and yeah, Nixon the, was very gracious to Lady Bird. And like, yeah, as, as you're not using things, they need to kind of come back. Yeah. Obviously that level of, um, I don't even know what you call Hubris. it. Hubris. Uh, or, or lack thereof on the on the part of the Nixon administration really shows you the, let's just call it politeness, that they extended back then that would never be extended today obviously everything's way too divisive and you know it's just dumb um but yeah yeah i mean it, the whole thing is just a mess i mean in my view it doesn't really look bad on any one of the individual presidents anymore now it just looks bad as on the system as a whole it's like really you don't have all you don't have a guy that has a procedure book to make sure that we get all the documents back and the other thing is like you print off a, a top you have a you have a top secret dossier for whatever reason right you they know where every copy of that is and whether it's been destroyed or not this is part of the highly detailed processes that they have for for these higher classification documents especially for um i can't remember the acronym for it but it's basically it's it's higher than top secret it's basically uh for things that have sourcing from human intelligence assets it's the highest classification you have because um, obviously if somebody figures out that what's going on there, like people's heads are coming off. And anyway, where I, the, I would say on, on this, you know, where is the one or two or three week review where you go back and you, you make sure that every bit of documentation that was given to the administration is, is recalled, regardless of whether they want it or not. It doesn't really matter. You've had enough time to absorb the information. You need to give everything back. Well, that, um, that know, leads... I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion that... I mean, I would take these things if, if I was... If that was if I, if I was, you know, the hubris on my part, if I was president, I would look at these things, okay, yep, okay. I would make my notes, which are technically classified pieces of information, but, you know, they would be reference from my own mental memory. They wouldn't be line-for-line line copies of things. And I just give... I give this crap back to them. What, the, what do I need it for? I just need it to make a decision. I don't need to keep this stuff around. And obviously a lot of these people, oh, you know, they, they have to, you know, they rub their hands and they, they deliberate and they have to consider and all this stuff. It's like, no, that's not your job. Well, he, your job is to take the information they have, take the, take the options they present you with and make the mess, make the best decision you can make with it. Yeah. It is what it is. I still, there to, oh, look at the satellite photos of this thing. Like who cares? That is not important to you. Right. Well, I, I would still like to know if, if anybody has gone and knocked on the door of the, uh, Jimmy Carter and Roslyn in uh, in the uh, I'm thinking planes. he's the kind of person that wouldn't take anything. I'm See, I think the opposite. The right. guy was a bookworm. I mean, that's one of the things. But if you look, what I'm saying I don't think he would have taken anything. I think he's like he's like he's like detail oriented enough. He like went through all of his files in the weeks before he left the White House. Maybe <laughs> you know what I mean it's like it's like he's so detailed. I mean, he might have notes that are probably bad. You know, he might have a uh, he might have like personal sketches of the the Grays <laughs> to go visit area. Area 51 or whatever. Well, let's make it 57. It's Heinz. Yeah. But yeah, I, but, but here's the thing. If if Biden has them, 
Trump has them. Pence has them. Wouldn't you think that at least I would be doing a press conference saying, okay, due to the totality of circumstances, we have sent teams to every president and vice president. And uh, even Dan Quayle going back to Bush 401. I mean, just let's go and make sure that everybody is. There's a name you don't hear very often. Dan Quayle. Like that one. Well, I, uh, my understanding is they found uh, documents over the years in like presidential libraries and stuff. Oh, sure. Because, you know, volumes of documents, you know, just stuff being filed away. And, oh, crap, this is actually a top secret thing. They have to give it back. Well, why? It was like Bush 43. They but had of that all the there. things, hang on, all the things that they, they, they got out, why couldn't they get out who killed JFK? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. I'm sorry. The, the, the inevitable. Had to do it. The, the I had to do it. It's just the inevitable question: Who killed JFK? It's like, well, honestly, at this point, does it really matter? It's like, who killed Roger Rabbit? Who cares? Well, there's there's another thing that inevitably always comes up, right? Well, did well, did Hitler have anything to do with well, killing JFK? He could have. <laughs> so we got we got Hitler in there. He could have if he escaped in the secret submarines and. And, yeah, you never uh, know. Like went to Antarctica or or Argentina or someplace like the. Like the super conspiracy people think, you know, they've got like the I love the those really people. bad photoshops of him like sitting at a table at like some big cafe in Argentina and everybody's like, oh, it's totally real. It's like, yeah, it totally wasn't made to sell newspapers. Never. They, new, new, news people would never do that. They are of the utmost integrity. <laughs> so, some, poor, some poor sucker needs to look like him, grow a little stash and just go to Starbucks and just go. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Adolf Hitler at Starbucks in, in Ocala. So here's the thing. If you're a, if you're a spy, right? If you're a spy, you know, you, you got to think about this. Uh, why should I work for the USA if, going back to Jimmy Carter, um, he appointed Stansfield Turner. I happen to have a family member that knew Stansfield Turner very, very well back in the day. And they didn't like him then. They didn't like him afterwards. And, they, you know, he's now dead and rotting in a grave. But Stansfield Turner, in essence, um, terminated a lot of our assets, but he did it by way of a non-secure communications that was uh, listened into by the uh, Russians. And uh, a lot of people died. A lot of operatives died, not only in Iran, but in Russia and everywhere else. Oh, well, oops, oopsie daisy. And sometimes you want to say, you know, there needs to be consequences for your actions, even if you're, a, you're just a dumbass. What was that? The question I always have is, take the other side of it. Was that not the intention? You know, I've never thought of that. I mean, oh, the just think about everything that's been led up to 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 this past year. Oh, the Americans are so stupid. They, we don't have any intelligence assets anywhere. All oh, the Russians, they're so great at, at spying and and all these things. And oh man, we're just so dumb. We never know anything. Meanwhile, it seems like we know exactly where they were going to send every missile on the invasion of Ukraine Hmm. to the point that they were able to move air assets like minutes before the missiles were launched. But yeah, you know, we're dumb. We don't know what's going on. We're bad at intelligence. We're just, we're just big stupids over here. We're just, just, just pet us in the belly and feed us a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, but you know, twenty. I, 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 I know, several I, I thousand. Don't know anything about the the situation, and it's all classified still. So well, I know that at least several rumors, thousand so. people were 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 lost, and it's just you know, I mean, it's just in, in the grand scheme of things, a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there is not a big deal. Well, the other no. thing is they're also human intelligence sources. You know, maybe they were. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But 
you know, the reality is if I, if, if, if we actually, if, so if you're sitting back, you know, in a hypothetical circumstance and, you know, you have to be extremely Machiavellian about these types of decisions, but you know, if you know, Oh crap, we have a very serious leak here. Oh, right. Why not intentionally leak? And it's a, it's a, it's a needle in a haystack type situation. Make it worse. Right. You have one thing that leaks and it's all, and it's like all this other shit leaks. How do you figure it out? Make it, when you have a problem, sometimes making it worse makes it better. You know? Well, here, before we wrap this segment up, um, what do you think about regular business? Uh, all of your Fortune 500 companies, think they even come close to document uh, security to... Uh... I'm sure some of them have much higher security. A good example is all the outsourced uh, government stuff that is... I mean, so, you know, one thing that's really obvious, anybody who really understands how the government gets around its own rules and regulations over the past, uh, well, since, since the end of, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess since the fifties, probably people started figuring out FOIA requests and all these things. So the problem is there's a lot of stuff the government has to be careful about putting in writing because people are going to find out about it. Yep. Right. So the easiest way to deal with that, especially when it comes to R and D and things is just don't do it yourself. So you have companies who their entire job, you know, Lockheed and Raytheon uh, and all like, of the above. Yeah, yeah, like uh, like kind companies there. You know, there's a lot of them that do some very serious work that is way more secret than anything the government does. Yep. And so they have to be better than the government at securing some of this information because that's their job because they can't be subpoenaed. They can't be FOIA requested for this information. Like it's proprietary trade secret and it is what it is. Um, I mean, a good example is like uh, the new, uh, was it B27 or whatever, the, the new, the new B21, uh, the new uh, long-range strategic bomber. When they made the announcement, one of the things they talked about was how it came under budget and ahead of schedule by a lot. And they talked about how the things that aided that were, you know, the past 35 years of R&D that they've been doing for the Defense Department. It has prepared, like they were able to take lots of stuff that was built for other platforms because there are so many generations into this. And they're able to do that because it's secret. <laughs> they didn't have to go out and invent something new because it is now freely available on the public market and they have to one-up it. They, they just they have the secret sauce. They can take that, modify it for the intended purpose, and apply it. Um, so as far as in general, no. I don't think so. I think most Fortune 500 companies probably leak like a sieve. But... Of course, so years ago, before there was all this big push to digitize everything uh, medical, I served on a uh, public policy institute. And uh, what'd you say? So that's worked out well. Yeah, it worked out really well. You know, I remember these people saying, oh, it's, you'll be able to go anywhere and get care and they'll know exactly what's going mm -hmm. on. And, yep. and, you know, the life expectancy and all your drugs and everything will be available and and uh, we have... Well, they'll be able to know your drug interactions and everything on yep. the spot. Meanwhile, how many times have you gone to a doctor or something? You're like, what medications are you on? It's like, really? I have to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> or me. How many times have I, have, have I gone? And the first thing a person asks, oh, what are, you, what are you allergic to? And I'm like, nothing. What medication are you on? Nothing. Why do you have to ask? It's, it should be in my file. Yeah, and then um, will all of our elderly clients. We have clients that are old. We have clients that are young. Very few. We have clients, a lot of elderly clients, mm -hmm. a lot. And uh, all of that uh, client acquisition that we did in the uh, 
Oh my gosh, 90s and early 2000s, these folks have, are dying off. And man, the law firm is just, we're, we're humping. I mean, right? I mean, it's, it, no, it's, we're busy. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of business. Problem is, we see so many people go to their doctors and it's just gross malpractice because nobody reads a chart. I'm, I'm not being, oh, no. that, that's not necessarily an exaggeration. Well, no. And, and the crazy part is, is just imagine trying to maintain a good, not a good amount of knowledge on, on all these different drugs that all these people are on. Like you need technology to aid you with this because there's just so much information, but they're not even doing that. Like they're coming in like, Oh, what medication are you on? Are you on anything new? And it's like, how don't you know? Why isn't, why isn't there a system to deal with this? Well, here's the thing. You would think that a good medical practice would have a, a pharmacist on staff, right? You would think they would have somebody who's holistic on staff. You'd have, you, you would want to have like a team like, Hey Bob, what do you think about this? But here's the problem. Do you know how few pharmacists there are? There's a huge shortage. Oh, yeah, n nobody's doing that job. And the, the people that actually do it are far and few between because most places won't let them do it. They, well, they sit there and they just run an automated system that feeds pills into bins and they fill the bottles from the bins. It's, it's brain dead. It's not, they're not real pharmacists like they used to be. No, they're not, they're not uh, compound, compounding anything anymore. Oh, no. But, but here's the thing. I mean, we have a, a, a friend, Jim, and he's in recruiting, and he's, his area of expertise is pharmacy work. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. In places like Alaska, oh, my God, it's impossible. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, the, in general, like because of Walgreens and um, Walmart, they're cutting yeah, back hours. All, all those things, they, the consolidation in, in the pharmacy business by you know, these uh, big faceless organizations you know the, the the wages for being a pharmacist are not what they were oh they're trash but the education levels are still high extremely high well that even that, though they don't do that anymore we, we, okay so let, you, know, you know what's going to happen i can guarantee you this is going to happen they're going to have you're going to have pills in a box you're going to have like the armor pill box car come in they're going to deliver it right can you yeah, see this can see and you're going to have a Parapharm assist, a parapharmacist. I don't know if that's the name or not, but somebody who is like, they got a lot of training, but not the whole thing. And they're just there to fill the pills and give it to you and take the money. Well, I think a large number of these facilities are mostly automated anyway. So. There'll be red boxes outside of Walgreens. Yeah, red, red boxes <laughs> for your pills. Yeah, get the, get the blue box for your pills and the red box for your movie. I can't believe those things are still around. And though, get the white so. box to get your your uh, your drink, your 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 favorite drink. <laughs> drink. Yeah. With a big warning that says, if you're taking certain drugs, don't drink alcohol. <laughs> well, yeah. Of course, then you got to have your vape, and then your your pot next to that. So yeah, your vape and your pot, and then you get in your self driving car. Yeah, that takes you home. Yeah, no. So you can take your pills and drink your alcohol and do your drugs all in the right order. And so everything you do, everything you do is monitored and. Drudge has a thing that the United Kingdom Army spied on COVID critics. No. Really? You're telling me the intelligence agencies of no. the West spy on its own citizens? Never. 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 Oh, this Just is like I imagine most Americans totally forget that all of your phone calls are the Congress allowed. No, no, no. The intelligence agencies can't gather anymore. No, no, no. They forced the phone companies to do it. And they just buy so, it from them. Yeah, and then when they need to access it, they serve the phone companies with a warrant. So it's very legal. And then a few so years goes back to what I said earlier about private industry being able to do things that the government can't. They found a loophole around it. 
we want we want everybody's phone calls. We want the we want the data, but we'll make private industry keep it. You know, there was a guy who interviewed Zuckerberg a few years back when uh, Comey was uh, head of uh, FBI. Yes. Do you remember that that uh, story where the it's like a New York Times or Rolling Stone? Somebody's interviewing uh, Zuckerberg and. You know, in Facebook, in the, the headquarters, and all of yeah. a sudden you heard this, and the guy, hey, how you doing? What's going on, man? I was just in the area. I just want to say hi. And it was Comey. Mm. Like, you know, old home, old, old, old home to, uh, town meeting type thing. I was yeah. like, yeah. And, of course, the one thing they, they miss out of that story is why, would, why is Comey able to just appear on the Facebook campuses without anybody noticing? Because the FBI has an office on Facebook campuses. You're not supposed to say that the FBI has an office on Facebook and Twitter yeah. and Tiki Talkie and everything else. Well, not TikTok. TikTok is literally China. That's the reason why they don't want them around. <laughs> well, they also don't want them around because they're actively using TikTok <laughs> to push social trends, and some think that's bad. Yes, no. Oh, really? No, no. Really? You think anybody that can control large portion of people's screen time not being highly vetted and being controlled is you think that's bad i was listening to a podcast in fact i think it was one of one of the podcasts from joe rogan i was driving and, and the guy was on there talking about uh his whole his guest was talking about how or maybe even joe was saying this really intelligent people doctors lawyers engineers you know plumbers electricians sure everybody's on their phone and he was talking about TikTok and it's like, Hey man, did you see this? Oh, I, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm way late for my appointment. You know, I've been on this thing for like two hours. It's like a rabbit hole and even, you know, adults. <laughs> I saw a thing. I saw a thing earlier today. Somebody was talking. We talked about this earlier. There was a discussion. There was a discussion among um, some people about how I believe it was the potential banning of TikTok domestically is people are Apparently it's being talked about more actively again because all of the things that people, the government in particular has tried to do to put a chilling effect on different things that TikTok's doing. It's just, it's, it's not having any effect. So they're going to have to actually take some action likely. And anyway, point is, is that the, uh, the discussion that was being had on this article that I saw, uh, person mentioned something along the lines of how, Oh, TikTok isn't that bad because you know, Here's here's a bunch of links of things about how you know you can learn all kinds of interesting science topics and all this stuff, and I'm thinking, and how is this any different from YouTube? So here here we go. We've got a guy, and I looked at his profile, and he's like he's like I believe he's an engineer of some sort. So we have somebody who's you know at least based on all like uh, metadata criteria, this is somebody who should be intelligent. And here he is. He's saying, oh, you can learn so much by watching you know 10 second videos about physics, horse manure. It's this is no different than than any of these other things. You're just consuming things to make yourself feel good. This is uh, no different than people who buy books and don't read them. You know, oh, I bought a book, so therefore I'm smarter. Like, no, that's not true. Not yes, true. ladies and gentlemen, if you buy a book and put it under your pillow at night, there is no such thing as osmosis. Well, some people believe that, and so you know, oh, I watch a 10 second video about this cool science phenomenon, so now I'm a, I'm a I'm a real I'm a real real. Uh, happen in the science person here it's like it's just it's dumb of course most of these people you know they don't know any they don't as you would say they don't know shit from shine all they don't know anything you start asking them details about the specifics of the things that they profess to have a grand this grand fascination or obsession with and it goes about three centimeters deep and they're like 
their heads going sideways like a dog when you're asking them where's the food. Yeah, yeah, they spread their manure you know, wide and far, but <clears throat> centimeter. Hey, listen, real quickly, centimeter deep. I was going to mention to you, there is a guy who looks like he's going to take over. Uh, let me see here. Uh, who's this guy? He's, he's uh, going to take over the uh, military effort for Putin. Uh, they call him the uh, architect of war. He's got, he's got a funny-looking eye, and I was, he reminds me of Ernest Bolfill in the movie uh, You Only Live Twice, a James Bond movie. If you look that up, the guy has this scar on his eye and, and has that yeah. it's kind of... It's, it's just an, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah you're it's, talking about Valis, Valery Garasimov. Yeah, so if you put these two guys together, the James Bond guy from 67 is like, sure. this is his daddy, <laughs> and this is the son... Well, so my understanding about him is uh, he's the equivalent of their head of their joint chiefs. So okay. he, he's like our, our general Millie. And um, Shoigu is, is the head of their Ministry of Defense. He's Putin's friend. He is hopelessly corrupt and inept and trigger, trigger uh, alert for all the snowflakes. Uh, he's retarded. As are as are a lot of the people in Russian leadership. Yeah, like like in the truest sense of the word, like their their understanding of the world and everything around them is literally retarded. In that it is behind everybody else, and it is only amplified on things that only people in Russia would understand: how to bribe people, how to get along in an extremely corrupt society. They don't understand how our world works at all, just like most people in our world don't understand how their world works at all. So that's why anybody who know who professes to know anything about this conflict, one way or the other, how things are going to shake out, are usually just throwing darts at the wall. They don't understand because they don't understand how their world works. Their world is scary. It is a black box to most people. Um, it is so, the definition of corruption. Yes, but it's it's the whole society values it. Like Russians will say, "Oh, would you rather live here or there?" And they'll say, "Oh, Russia's way better." even though you know they will spend most of the year in like New York because they're rich Russians, Russia's still better. You know why? Because in Russia, they don't get in trouble for anything. If they get arrested, they can just bribe people. Yeah. So therefore, Russia's a better country. Like that's the kind of value judgments they place on things. So, but that's society-wide. Like, you know, a, another good example is I read... The word some, systemic, you can't fix a systemic yes. problem. Yeah, it's, it's... Well, it's not even a... Pro Here's the problem. They don't view it as a problem. Right. It's it's just it's a cultural thing, which means we're incompatible in dealing with them, right? So a good example of this was I saw a um, interview. Well, uh, yeah, it was an interview. I believe it was an interview. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a story it was about a woman who uh, I can't remember how old she was, probably in her forties, and she was talking about how uh, modern Russia is terrible um, because. Basically, everybody has all these freedoms and whatever, and the Soviet Union provided for everybody way better. And, you know, she, I think she was talking about how expensive everything was and, you know, just whatever. Ba basically, her, her, her core criticism came down to the weird kind of very controlled free market that they've implemented in Russia over mm -hmm. the past 30 years and how basically she didn't like it, and she liked the Soviet Union better. Okay. And, so I was like, okay, I, I I'm I want to know where this is going. So, her, this person, it was, I think it was an interview. Her, she wanted to. This person was interviewing and asking more detailed questions because they were con as confounded as you and I would be based on this. 
And basically what it turned out was she was mad because in the Soviet Union, her uh, father was like the, like, uh, like the manager of a, of, a, of a train company or something. Okay. Or a manager in a train company. So because of that, you know, the trains were very important and she, her, she and her family were very high status. And believe it or not, they got unlimited access to toilet paper. And that was one of the things that she, she doesn't, toilet paper is not free anymore. You have to pay for it. The person's <laughs> like, but anybody can get toilet paper now. It's available at every store in plentiful quantities. You don't have to bar- bribe people or be of a special class to get it. And she said, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> how do you fix, how do you, you fix can't, a, how do you fix a country with people that have, who, people who haven't lived in that for a majority of their lives and they're complaining that they wish they could go back to their childhood where, you know, things may have been really shitty, but hey, at least my parent was, you know, he worked for a research institute and, you know, we got special privileges. Yeah, well, there's nothing you can do about people like that. I, I mean, know, just, I don't know where you start with that. It's just, it's just effed. Like, about a no month ago, about a month ago, I was having a conversation with a client who's quite religious, very Christian. And I had made the, I made the comment that not decimation, because that's 10, but annihilation, that we need to turn Russia into a, a parking lot. If Be- they want to behave the way they're behaving now, I, I don't disagree. And I said to my, I said to these, these, this couple, I said, because they are a ruthless, low-class, subhuman species. They're, they're just, they're, you can't deal with these people. I know I'm pushing it. I don't care. But these people are just bad news. And, and she In said- In particular, the ones that are doing the stuff that we- To the I Ukrainians. On a yeah. daily basis, yeah. Good example is today- Got to see a Ukrainian soldier who was captured uh, like a month ago. And yeah, they found his body, his head, and his hands are missing. So we can all imagine what happened there. Well, let me finish my thing, and then I want you to explain to people how you have uh, such insight into what's going on over there. But I, I mentioned this lady. I said, well, did you ever hear the story of Saul? Not Paul, but Saul. And uh, how God commanded him in the book of, uh, I believe it's... Uh, in the book of Saul, 15, somewhere in the area of 4, 5, or 6, verse 4, 5, or 6, is where God tells Saul to kill these people. But um, he says, kill their men, women, children, even their babies, slaughter their cattle, their sheep, their camels, their donkeys, everything. Okay, That's what God commanded if you are a person who reads the Bible. Okay, that's, that's, That was it. Saul didn't do that. So go Old Testament on their ass. See, here's the thing. That's the problem. You have people who are Russian oligarchs who put on fancy, stupid uh, religious attire. You know who that guy is, who uh, is now the uh, the Orthodox leader of whatever over yeah, there. Yeah, the, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church is literally a criminal mob boss. Okay, and so because he wears crosses and whatever, he's just, you know, immune from everything. But he uses that kind of language and cites oh, yeah, for sure. various sources like this to yeah. say, God has commanded us to, you know, annihilate the and at Ukrainians. The same time, you have, we also have Russian propagandists out there doing the same thing to their, to their Chechen forces, telling them that they're on a religious holy war for Allah to go after these horrible people who want to kill them all. So, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're utilizing every possible uh, thing to whip them up into a frenzy. 
Yeah, and, and the, the reality is there is no such thing as journalism. Everything is propaganda in one way, shape, form, or another. And, and the, the poor dumb sucker who actually believes that they're, you know, he's going to be a, a journalist doesn't, isn't going to get his stuff published. And if he does, no one's going to read it. You, come on, you know that. And then give a good example. How many, how many dead Russians and Ukrainians have you seen? I couldn't count. Thousands. Literally, literally thousands. Yeah. yeah, thousands and thousands. And you watch videos that we get feeds from all the time. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I just I just pay attention to news sources, and I'm gaining a very primitive ability to read this stuff. I'm, I figure by the time this is over, I'll be able to actually read, for the most part, Ukrainian and mild amounts of Russian. They're not. They're very different. They're. It's very strange. Anyway, as somebody who's trying to learn, and you don't know, and in it. And it's taken me the better part of a year to figure out whether somebody's writing in Ukrainian or Russian to figure out how to properly translate it. It's it's funny. But on top of that, not only are yeah. but then if we want to see video uh, nearly live, um, we have those satellites. Uh, what's the uh, I lost the name of that damn company? Yeah, there's several satellite services you can get, and they will task a satellite for you. you some sometimes it's expensive. Sometimes it's already been done for you, and uh, you can pay to get live well not live feeds but a uh, pretty high resolution uh, satellite pictures of areas that you can actually see what's going on so yep and then we have people who claim to be economists and forecasters and they have all these names they use i mean we do forecast and make no no bones about it but now they're the very same people who have said oh the ukrainians are doing a phenomenal job in this Oh, now the tune has suddenly switched to, oh, there's so many Russians. They'll just bum rush them. They'll take, come on. Yeah. Do you honestly think they sent their worst soldiers to invade or their best? Well, they'd like you to think that. And if they sent their worst, why are they going now to the prisons and the crazy farms and dragging people off the street to serve? Both sides are sustaining casualties, obviously, but it is... It is, it's, it's a mess. I mean, the whole situation is a mess. Um, but Russia is obviously suffering worse just due to the fact that they're the ones attacking. Like that's just, that's just always, that's the rules. Russians remind me of so many of the episodes on gold rush. That stupid guy with the beard. He's a veteran. What's his name? Whoever he is. Oh, I don't know. You know, um, we always want to throw him under the bus. Yeah. The, 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 the uh, social media pages say they want to they want a skip button for his sections. Yeah, it's very funny. Well, but what's his what's his problem? It's it's a Russian problem. They don't have extra. If you one is none, two is one, three is two. You said that for years. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Just they have no spare mili- parts. Just an old militaryism. Yeah. If you go to uh, Parker Schnavel. Oh yeah, he's got containers full of extra stuff yeah don't don't well, the thing now that's funny if you know just the short little and tony com- beats short little commentary about the show it's it's funny because that show shows how you have a guy who has built a very 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 successful operation and when they show what he's doing it's just boring now it know? is and it's boring because he's that successful like things don't go wrong oh no they, they have to really dramatize and crank the music up oh no bum, bum, bum. they have to replace this belt bum, bum, bum. Oh, they have like six of them in a trailer over here because they properly prepare for everything it's just not a big deal where these other guys like oh no they've got to go drive you know six hours one direction to go get a replacement belt because they didn't they didn't stock enough because there's something weird is happening you know it's just 
Yes, you're right. Uh, the problem with the problem with the Russian military in general is the low value on human life. That that is the key key problem. Um, they do not place any value on it, so therefore none of their calculations on anything that they decide do they care about that aspect of it. And families as well have been documented where they really don't give a damn that their kid or their father or is, is can I get the cell phone back? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I've see, I saw a video. This is months ago now, but it was an interview with a, a POW, a young, young kid. And the, the, they were, he was on the phone with a Ukrainian who was, they're making this video anyway. And there, he was talking to his, his family, and the mother was more concerned about where his cell phone was than the fact that he was captured. She didn't care. She's like, "Your grandparents bought you that phone. Where's the phone?" <laughs> it's like, okay, well, that's extremely disturbing. I, I can understand if that's the most valuable thing you own, I guess. But like, why do you care about that versus the fact whether or not your son is alive? Anyway, but you know, you you uh, I can't remember. Somebody said this recently. I don't know if it was one of these forecasters you're talking about or not, but you know, it's it has to do with you know how you value human life. If you take ten thousand people to go and take an airfield, for example, which is one of the objectives in the beginning of the war, and you lose nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine of those people of those initial people, and you have to reinforce it, and it takes all this extra time, and it's a just a giant blunder. But eventually, you capture the airfield. In the Western military tradition, it would be that would be a massive cluster. You know what? Whoever is in charge, it would be embarrassing. Whatever, right? I mean, it would not go down in the history books as something good. Right. In Russia, they would be like, "Oh, objective completed." They don't care how they did it. They don't. Okay, yeah, our timeline's behind, but we eventually got it done. And that's just how they do things. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Like, perfect example is the logistics problem. The Russian logistics problem is so deep, it's unfixable. And this is the reason they'll lose the war. It has nothing to do with a lack of will to fight, which they don't really have a will to fight, not like the Ukrainians. They don't have... Traffic and transportation, command and control, blows it, bad. It won't be an inability to do manufacturing, because they have that. They have infinite people. I mean, they have 140 million people to pull from to do menial manufacturing at an early 21st century level, like... That stuff will still win wars in high enough volume. It's not that. It's it's not any of these problems other than it's purely logistics. And and the, what I'm talking about here, I mean, I'm, I think we've talked about it before, but the logistics on its surface are very simple. It's their transition from being integrated into their own world as the Soviet Union to being integrated into a Western world because the Soviet Union lost, believe it or not. Contrary to what the psychos who gave document who gave uh, demand orders to NATO in December of 2021, who wanted to reconstitute the Soviet Union back to its 19 pre 1997 borders, I'm not joking. This is what the head of NATO said, or the the military head of NATO said this week, because they're doing a little bit of a PR thing. I think running up to uh, Sweden or Finland getting into NATO. Anyway. I didn't know that this is a thing. I think they wanted to keep this quiet because they didn't want to scare people. But this is the reality of what we're dealing with. You've got a country who is insane enough who they literally want to just just roll back time and like that's not going to happen. Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia are part of NATO. 
They don't want to, they're part of the EU. They do not want to be part of Russia. That's not going to happen. These people are on drugs. So, and they have muscled up militarily that they could give a... It doesn't matter. They're part of NATO. So, you understand what I mean. Like the Russians, if they were to reconstitute their military power and invade, they could take out either, any one of those three countries in a day. They just have more people. I mean, you know, uh, I think Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia each have like three million people each. Like they just don't have a lot of population. But here's the thing. They're part of NATO, so they have a guaranteed defense agreement Unless NATO wants to look as stupid as Russia's CSTO, their NATO competitor, then they're not, that's not going to happen. And what I'm referring there is CSTO is this Russian NATO that included a bunch of different countries. One of them is Armenia. Armenia got invaded by Azerbaijan again, broke all the peace agreements, and Armenia asked for CSTO help because they're like, we're being invaded, please help. They, they, uh, they got... They got ghosted on that request. Okay. And Armenia is basically back. Like their their little NATO project is falling apart. Anyway, but so to put this, to, to the logistics problem are twofold. And it, and it has to do with the, with the, the lack of human care, care about humans and, and, and that sort of thing. The value of a, of a human life. Um, the logistics on its whole are, I guess it's three things. It's what I said. It's the integration of the East and the West into you know, more of the Western style system because they, they lost. Um, it's the, which has degraded their own domestic manufacturing capabilities in a significant way. And, and we've talked about some of these details over the past year, you know, roller bearings and all kinds of weird, very niche things that will have a huge amplifying effect. And I can tell you now that the reports that I've seen are that satellite photos and these types of things do confirm thousands of Russian rail cars being piled up in depots because they don't have the necessary equipment to repair them because things, oopsie because things were out. I mean, th- these are things we talked about in, in the past year that this was stuff that was going to be a slow boil, but eventually like this stuff was going to start to crescendo and it's going to get ugly. Um, obviously their airline industry is comical. Russian airlines are running on basically cannibalizing airplanes, just like the uh, Iranians have done for the past forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another slow burn. That's, with reduced flights, there's not as much need, and you know it's just slowly going to burn most of what they have down. That says nothing about the fact that like what several hundred of those airplanes are owned by Western companies, so they effectively have stolen them. So it's billions of dollars in in uh, internationally uh, settled lawsuits from these seized funds that are going to be redistributed to Western companies to compensate for new airplanes at some point. Um, but so the other, but the other aspect to it that's important is uh, we've talked about the lack of, of uh, standardization for transport. They have no pallets. Their trucks don't have tie downs for things like pallets. They don't use forklifts. Um, they, you know, everything in Russia is boxes. It's boxes, boxes, boxes. It's it's ammo boxes. Apparently, they have like like eight or ten different size boxes, and that's how they put most of this crap around. And the problem with that is is that that relies on people. So they don't care. They're just like, why would we standardize in boxes and, and have more stuff to maintain with, you know, forklifts and all this other ancillary equipment when we can just hire, we can just use this, not hire, we can use this free labor that we have with conscripts that we pay like, I'm not joking, the equivalent of like $10 a month. And they can just lug boxes around all day for us. Yeah, and for, for, the, for those who have worked on a farm, there's a reason, and you know the reason why, if you've been on a farm, hay bales are a certain size. Yes, exactly. Pallets 
have a certain skiff on them. I mean, I could go on for hours but that yeah, you... these boxes are a certain size. You can pick them up with one person, you can pick them up with two. Yeah. That's it. Weight and contents are, deter- are determined by the fact that of, of one or two people. Like, that's it. So that manpower thing also applies to how maintenance is done. And this is something that I've learned a lot about with um, reading. You know, there's been all kinds of funny memes about how, you know, the, the least uh, or, or the most sane... You know, it's like a picture of a crazy person. It's like the most sane, you know, uh, Ukrainian uh, repair depot engineer. Okay. And, you know, because it's like, oh, hey, West, the West is here. We're going to give you a bunch of tanks. And it's like, you're, you're not giving me just, you're not giving me new tanks. You're giving me four new kinds of tanks with four separate supply chains <laughs> and four of everything that's different. The only thing that's the same is like the fuel and the ammo that it uses and everything else is different. Obviously at least we can give them parts and stuff. And these things are well documented and these guys can look at, you know, manuals and PDFs on their phones and they can call, you know, the companies that make these things and ask their engineers to help them out with things, of course. But that's the thing I didn't know until fairly recently is that, you know, that's actually not a problem. Like our stuff is documented. There's like videos and training documents available and it's, you know, we design these. So here's another aspect. We design our, our like Bradley system, uh, infantry fighting vehicle. It's as expensive as a Russian tank is, but there's a reason for it. Everything in there is designed to be serviceable by the people that are driving the thing or, or, or crewing the thing. Yep. And as somebody I know who's in the military would say, he, he would just make sure to make, he'd remind everybody in the room, he's that kind of person, that you do know that tankers have the lowest ASFAB score in the Army, right? <laughs> ASFAB is the standardized test that they take. It's like, you do know they have the lowest ASFAB score. Uh, he just reminds you. Anytime you talk about tanks, he's going to remind you. That the, <laughs> and that's his way of calling them morons. His people. And this is a guy who, who you know, was in units that require the highest ASFAB score. So, you know, he's a little bit, a little bit smarter than the average cat, but he obviously has a very, 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 very low regard for tankers. <laughs> and, you know, I'm guessing that has a lot to do with actual mm. real life experience, you know, interacting with some of these, uh, Roscoe shoot that way. <laughs> Not yep. there. Yep. So, so, you know, it's like that, uh, movie with, uh, gosh, what was it? Uh, the, uh, movie where, uh, Sergeant Bilko, yeah. <laughs> and the, the the goofy hydrofoil tank. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Just imagine Sergeant Belko, and there you go. You got, you've got the tankers. Yep. Um, so, but so isn't it funny how so many things in movies come back to be real? Well, yeah, the best movies in the world are ones that are true. <laughs> Idiocracy. Just telling a funny story. Idiocracy. Well, we're not at like twenty eight, twenty seven, or whatever year it was, but we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, but so the point is, is that the for, let's just say that these are not the highest qualified people in the military. <laughs> you know, they're the people that are wearing, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a generalization, but you know, the military works on averages. They work on numbers. You know, yeah, everybody it's, it's, does. It's, it's a management game. If those guys can repair them, then anybody can. Well, Hey, here's the thing. Our guys aren't, you know, they're not that motivated. They're not as motivated as these Ukrainian, these Ukrainians that they're going to send to operate these, um, these Western tanks and stuff. I'm guessing the first crews are going to be some of the more qualified guys that they have in their entire military because mm-hmm. they want to make the most use out of them. Cause it's not just how you use them. It's how you, you know, I mean, it's not just what, how, you know, using them like as a, as a physical object. It's also how you use them on the battlefield. So it requires a little bit more thinking anyway. So long story short is basically that 
that's an important thing to remember. They're, they're, they're designed to have certain repair compartments. Things are easier to get to. Oh, this computer is more likely to, to go bad. So it's on a easy to replace plug and play sled, you know, just little things like that. Maintenance and repairs are easy ish, right? Considering it's a multi-million dollar, you know, several dozen ton hunk of steel rolling around. Russians, on the other hand, don't do that. And this is a very important thing. They don't do that. They don't care. You know what their thinking is? We can make the tank way cheaper. If it, we Okay, so to go back to us real quick. We go and build a tank that's extremely expensive, right? Or let's say Bradley. The thing may cost, you know, half a million dollars more than something that isn't designed as well for repairs. Because when we go and buy something, we buy them for you know, basically what we call like life, lifetime cost of a vehicle. That includes the maintenance of the thousands of hours of operation. We talked about that with the F-35. Yes. And like it, 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 we buy it as a whole unit, the lifetime value of it, including spares and repair parts and like all this stuff that goes into it. But here's the thing. We have a volunteer military. So those man hours cost something to repair stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So when that tank goes to the supply depot to get its treads repaired and get all the different spindles tightened up and like all that stuff, you would hope all that's very easy or it's as easy as possible. Right. Because if you know, all these optimizations over the lifetime of a vehicle that's going to be in service for 20 or 30 years costs an extra half million dollars, but it has thousands of hours less maintenance time. That's a win. It's, it's a business, right? It's no different than corporate America pricing out a printer. Well, this one requires less maintenance. Well, that's the one we're buying. We don't care if it's 20% more expensive because the employee's time is always going to be more expensive than, you know, whatever the fat, whatever number they come up with, right? Mm-hmm. In Russia, they don't care. This goes back to the manpower problem. Why do they, they don't, they, why would they care that a thing requires, you know, a thousand more hours of maintenance over the lifetime of, of, the, of the machine? They have conscripts. Yeah. Just press them into uh, service. Now, the problem is that's a good decision to make if you are a Russian and you're in the middle of uh, basically indefinite peacetime and you never plan on going to war. If you plan on going to war and, oh, crap, all of your stuff is actually being pressed into service, and as of now, I think they've lost, like, you know, the better part of ten or 12,000 vehicles, yeah, that maintenance time is not is not something that you can spare. So you have stuff that's getting minimally repaired and sent back out into the field. So you can just see how this stuff domino effects and domino effects and domino effects. So you start adding all these problems up. Yeah, I mean, this could Russia, in theory, turn it around and whatever. Yeah, in theory they could. But it requires such systemic changes to their entire way of life. Well, we've talked about this, and I've talked about this on my private podcast for clients and for for friends. The problem with the Russians is, is it is a legit thing. A lot of their stuff comes across by by rail. Um, all of it. They have very little. Okay, so here's a couple of things. It, this goes back to the days when the uh, dinosaurs used to walk around, and these meteors hit us, and we had this glacial melt, and that's how you got these big rivers. The United States is blessed. North America is blessed with a lot of navigable waters that uh, nobody else, it's just, uh, it's not the way it is. You know, you hear people say, oh, the Amazon, they that's just one river. Yeah. And, and a lot of it's 
not really navigable in, in the sense that we have. It's it's a it's really hard. You can see it online now. Go watch some videos of people navigating these these waterways. Oh man. Yeah. So I mean, like just the Mississippi, just our Mississippi is such a major thing. The cost of shipping things by by uh, by water is just phenomenally less expensive, and rail is so much less expensive than truck, which is so much less expensive than airplane. So when the economy hits the skids, you know, okay, well, you get dependent on certain things. My point being, uh, trains are sound, are cool, but they're a railroad track. Boom, boom, bye, bye. It, it requires a significant amount of more infrastructure. Yep. So the Russians, if you really want to take them out, you know, they've they've fought the Germans. You know, the Russians have had wars so many on their their land. They're screwed. I mean, they literally are screwed. It takes very little strategic planning to. Lock that whole place down. In modern day Russia is extremely vulnerable. There's no question. But here's the thing: they don't have any neighbors that that give a shit about them. <laughs> this is the problem. Even the Chinese. This is, this is the problem with Russia. Nobody's going to invade you. Nobody cares. Nobody wants your useless land. But here's the thing: they care, and that's all that matters. Right. It's like you know, you know, it's the 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 phrase that comes to mind about Russia and NATO and all this stuff. It's like no, no, you don't understand. I care because you care. Yeah, there you go. I don't care about what you have. It is not valuable to almost to anybody, any of their neighbors. They only care because Russia cares. That's it. If Russia would stop being an asshole, there's no other word for it, then I think everybody would be more than content to let all this stuff go. But here's the thing. They, they've, in the public's eye, in the media, accessible for everybody in the 21st century, they're committing a genocide. That is not going to go away. And I got to tell you, there's there's a lot of people on the uh, on the right that you the I got yeah I meet them and they don't care. I actually say you do realize this is a modern day genocide of monumental proportions. I did a, I was talking to somebody recently. I said you do realize that a, at least a quarter of a million children have been taken from their parents. Uh, several million women have been taken out. What do you think they're doing with these folks? They're they're using them as breeding stock. Russian these. How dare you say, oh, well, they have a right. How do you do that? And people wonder how people in, in, in history have so uh, easily ignored things that have happened. It's not hard. Well, nobody, nobody, if you ask, I mean, you can, you can tell people to their face what's going on. Most people just shrug. I don't care. I don't uh, care. My, my groceries are more expensive. It's like those people are useless. Other than old Cubans, nobody knows what uh, went on in, with cares. Castro. Nobody knows about Mao Zedong. Nobody no, knows no, about they, uh, they, Pol Pot, Idi Amin. I mean, oh, Hitler, everybody knows that, but they don't know about all the other atrocities that are out there. Russia. Russia. How about Russia? How about a simple one there? Russia and China. Russia, Russia and China alone are responsible for so much death and destruction and pain and suffering just in the 21st century. I mean, the 20th century is amazing. And obviously, it looks like that's continuing into the 20th century, and some people just don't care. I like that Reagan phrase, if not us, who, if not when, no. If not now, when. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fauci, I want to move to Fauci on this thing. You know, Fauci is a, a guy that had a PhD, and every time he opened his mouth, everybody's like, oh, Fauci, if Fauci says it, Fauci says it. It's like uh, Whoopi Goldberg. And then you had, an ad, you had the equal and opposite reaction from the other people. Oh, anything he says is obviously a lie. And exactly. He's, he's trying to do some magical like voodoo to kill everybody or something. Yeah, and he well he he he's doing he did what this idiot uh, economist that we know 
uh, he may have a PhD, but his is, he has a PhDW, piled higher and deeper and wider, because if he, he, there was nothing he didn't know about. If he had no knowledge of something, he would give you an answer. Oh, well, why are fire alarms on walls red and have a key? Well, that's because, you know, no idea, yes. but he'll give you an answer. Yes. Okay. So it's like our that's, Scooby. That's an insane character flaw. Right. Now, and, I, and those people that, that do that and can't just, when you come up with a truly confounding question for them, can't go, hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody who can't do that, avoid them. So we've got a guy who's been running around the country talking about Scooby-Doo vans and all oh, of the, yeah. all the bombs in them. And he yeah. has this thing, and I've, I've got this, this thing I want to bounce off Yes, It's called an entertainment economist. An entertainment yeah. economist. Yeah. Milton Friedman. Uh, He's trying to assume like the, like the uh, geopolitical uh, version of Milton Friedman. Yep. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's that? Charles de Grasse, whatever. Uh, oh, no. Uh, and then Ed. Neil Ed, deGrasse Tyson. And Bill Nye, the Bill science Nye guy. Science. Bill, Bill, Bill Nye, the engineering guy. And then uh, and Al Gore, you know, we're all going to drown with global warming. He, he doesn't have any degrees. He's just, Did you see his rant? He's just vice president. He's... No, seriously, did you see yes, this? He, was that bad or what? He, all I have to say about World Economic Forum, by the way, if you go and do, go do the Google machine and go to uh, YouTube, just type in uh, Al Gore goes nuts at the World Economic Forum. He is a sad, sad little man. Oh, that, he that's is. all I can say. Yeah. I, I didn't even get angry or anything. It's just You're just sad. But see, this guy says that Russia is transporting all of their weapons and munitions they don't have trucks like they used to, so they're using everything they can find, including Scooby-Doo vans, and then he does this thing. And if it hits a bomb or a bump, oh, boom, I don't want to be around there. Uh, you want to explain? Because I can't. I just want to throw up every yeah, time I hear this, this guy. So, yeah, this, this guy explains how, oh, because they're not being transported in standardized uh, methods of or systems, which I agree is a problem, and it's going to severely hamper their ability to do anything. Um, oh, you know, they're really dangerous. Oh, moving artillery shells around in a, in a unsecured thing is really dangerous. It's like, yeah, it could be. It could be. But here's the thing with Russian artillery, especially this really old crap they're digging out of the, out of the storage. Uh, one, you have to install. Here's the key. You, ha- you have to install the fuse onto the top of the artillery shell. Oh. The fuse and the actual main artillery shell are two separate components and are always stored separately for the obvious reason that it goes boom. But here's the other thing. The Russians seal the install area. It's basically a threaded port effectively in the top of the artillery shell. Um, They basically put this like resin. It's like black resin crap in there to basically seal it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen videos of Russians and Ukrainians literally taking a flathead screwdriver and a f- hammer to break the resin to break the resin out of an artillery shell. If if a guy slamming a hammer isn't going to break it, I don't think a pothole is going to break it. But here's the, here's the th- here's the tell though. Here's the tell. Just think very simply how a especially a large caliber like 152 or 155 millimeter, 120 millimeter mortar. Uh, artillery shells. Think about how they work. Just for a second. Just think about how they work. You take this thing, you put a giant bomb underneath it, and you shoot it out of a tube. <laughs> I don't think it's going to blow up on accident. It does happen. Artillery accidents do happen. Usually it's due to faulty shells. Yeah. That happens. 
but I'm pretty sure the problem isn't the Scooby-Doo van. <laughs> but it's a good talking point. for. Oh, yeah, it it's is. It's a good talking point for, for the experts of nothing. For those of you who are not uh, knowledgeable in the ways of, of propaganda and persuasion, what you do is you say something that's kind of obvious. So it's, it's simple. Yeah. How, you, how do you do propaganda? You tell two truths and then you tell a lie. Yep. And you just keep repeating. And you just keep going and going and going. And, and one of the things that you and I enjoy doing, and for those who are not clients and don't know us, um, we like digging into the background of people and start following. I mean, we, we don't get their tax returns, but uh, you, you do, you can get a lot of good information on people and you start seeing, hmm, this is interesting. Now, this organization is a, an NGO and they got money from this NGO who got paid from this NGO. And then you start going, oh, you're corrupt. <laughs> you're telling a cute little story just to corrupt people. And so... Hey, by the way, I think um, I know who the next uh, vice president of the United States is going to be. Okay, you got me there. I'm telling you. Okay, who? You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna laugh. You're gonna say no, but we're. But I'm telling you, like idiocracy is it coming? It's it's coming, right? Right. Next vice president. Next uh, vice president. The next president is uh, uh, President uh, Camacho or whatever. So <laughs> I don't know who's who's his VP. I'm going to go with a person who has a doctorate. Mm. A person that Whoopi Goldberg said, "Oh, she's a good doctor. I go oh, to her." So Jill Biden. So I'm gonna. I'm, here's what I'm gonna do. Are you telling me Joe Biden? Joe is gonna get he's, Jill. He's gonna do. A, yep. He's gonna do. A, what's the House, House of, of cards. cards? Oh, that's okay. Come on, you got to admit that's as good. That, that, that's we got to promote this that's stuff. Clever. I, I I would be on board with that. Okay. I, I so Joe's gonna because see Jill's gonna take a bigger role in the campaign. Well, she's and then speak for him at right? a certain point because he's. And then what you do is I say to Camilla, Camilla, you need to go back to California. You need to be governor mm. and see, you need to get yourself set up for governor so that then you can run because you got the age. You're okay there. And so when, uh, uh, what's his name? Who's the governor? Gavin, uh, what's his name? Newsom. Newsom. When Newsom goes, you know, you get to go back there, but she'll probably wind up doing a Nixon where Nixon as vice president ran for governor and lost. But that's going to be the push to get her out. We'll get Dr. Jill Biden. And well, the country's going to feel good about it. She's only, what, 71 now? So uh, she's, yeah, she's only 71. Yeah. He dies. So, and, and it, But there's precedent for it because, you know, Kevin Spacey was president, yeah, well, yeah, you know, yeah. and of course Robin Wright, she became yeah, president, you know, president, and 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 there's a Michael Kelly somewhere, so you know there's somebody in the woodwork. I'm telling you, I okay. swear to God, you wait and see, it's going to be talked about. Okay, so in the real world, something interesting that's happening. They're they're sending, um, what's his name to run for Feinstein's seat? Oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, yeah, I know, Shaf 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 Lazy Eye, whatever his name. Yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I think it's interesting because I figure I, I could have swore that when Feinstein was going to bail, then Newsom would run for a seat because his political career has kind of petered off right. nationally because of how he handled COVID and some other stuff. He Peter Schiff. Schiff, that's it. I, it may not be Peter um, Schiff. I, I don't know. Whatever, Schiff. Um, Adam. Gosh, darn. It's Adam oh, Schiff. You're, you're thinking of uh, the gold, gold man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. He's been right on gold. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, no. Three hundred seventy-five times out of well, yeah, yeah. The, the joke on three hundred seventy-one. He's, he's, he's predicted uh, thirty-one of the last eight recessions. <laughs> you know, he's just he's chicken yeah. little. Everything. Buy, 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 buy gold, buy gold. Anyway, so uh, yeah. So the the thing that's interesting, I could have swore they would have placed him there because he has he has the look. 
he has the he he is a real politician. Oh yeah. I figured they would have placed him there for six years, let him kind of boost up his his federal bona fides, and and let let everybody forget about all of his past indiscretions and his his issues managing California. He can get elected off of his California popularity, and then you know in a couple of years they can roll him around to try and run for for the White House when he is a little bit more cleaned up. Instead, it looks like they're going to block him on that because <laughs> his term's almost up, right? Yep. I think it's up in like a, two years or something. Um, so instead, they're going to. So I, I think he's gotten on somebody's uh, somebody's bad list. Yeah, he's he's going to be like Jerry Brown. Do you remember the story on yep. Jerry Brown? I, I mean, I his do. dad was governor, then Reagan comes in, Pat Brown was governor, and then uh, Jerry Brown becomes governor, and then he's out, then he comes back, and then he, I think he wound up being mayor of Oakland. I don't know, Jerry Brown might even be dead by now. I don't know. I don't think he is. I think he's alive. But yeah, I'm going with uh, Jill Biden for vice president in uh, 2024. Uh, Camilla Harris uh, for governor of California. And uh, Gavin, uh, what's his name again? Gavin for retirement. Gavin for retirement. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think there's an orange man who needs to be in retirement too. But he's out there. He's, he's swinging away. Not that anybody's listening. You know, what's interesting though, uh, his... Um, you know, Ron DeSantis, he's just, he's just not loyal. He's... <laughs> Yeah, he's just not loyal. I'm like, okay. It was a Haley, uh, the Haley girl. What's her yes, name? Yes, 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 yes. Um, governor of uh, North Carolina. Haley something or another. Yep. Yeah. She, she, uh, oh, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. Nikki yeah. Haley. Her, her comment was, was good. I, 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 it gave me a chuckle. Yeah, she uh, says something. We don't need another eighty-year-old or something like that. Or what was it? Uh, yeah, it's time for a new generation to lead. And yeah, she made a comment. Some, some I'm or you don't need to be eighty to be president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. Survival don't. of America matters, she said. Well, survival of the president is. Yeah, well, at this point, the people that are running or that are positioned to run on both sides. Yeah, I mean they. We legitimately could have a president die in office this next time around. I mean, I f- I figured it would have been. By now, at least, especially with how old Trump and Biden are. But his, was, his term's not over yet. She said, I don't think you need to be 80 years old to be a leader in D.C. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. No, here's the thing. You know, there's a, <clears throat> I'm in my 60s. And I remember my dad when he retired. My dad was in his 70s when he said this. And he said to me, he said, son, I don't know how I got all the things done when I was working. I don't know how I did it all. And, you know, there's, you, you slow up, you know, you, you've seen that with me. I, I'm, I'm still very fit. I'm very, very wise, but, uh, but you slow up, you know, it just is what it is. If, if you're really being the president of the United States, that, there's a lot of pressure cookers. I mean, you, you've got to do your job. Makes you wonder, do they do their job? <laughs> Who, who's really running things? By the way, what's, where's Obama? Where, where did that guy go? I haven't heard of- Anything about him in months since the election, really. Wasn't it interesting how you had Bush 41, then you had Clinton, you had Bush 43, and you had Obama. You had, you had four presidents who I think all had the same father. They were just one, they were all the same. I don't care what anybody said. If you really think about it, they, they just continued the same. Oh, yeah, no. The, the, anybody the, who anybody who, who ascribes a tremendous amount of difference between between any of the presidents in the past 30 years is on crack. Yeah. They're not looking at the same things I'm looking at. They're looking at like social media and, and network news fights, which 
are not what a president is. It's a policy and what they're able to get done and kind of compromises they're willing to make. And it seems like everybody's a little, little bit of variation of the same thing. Is that guy Tucker Carlson still on TV? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What about dead, uh, what's his name? Uh, de- uh, Lemons, Lemons, Lemons? Le- I don't know that he is. I, I haven't paid attention to what's going on with CNN. I know they're in upheaval. I think last time I heard anything about CNN, you said they were considering bringing on a, a late-night comedian. Yeah, so yeah, things yeah. Things might, must not be going very well over there. But as far as I know, uh, Tucker Carlson is still getting his talking points from the Kremlin. So <laughs> that... That that avenue of information is still going there. Is Alex Jones still eating green frogs or gay frogs? I don't think so. I think he's he, he's still a an RT mouthpiece, as far as I know. Not directly, of course, because and I don't know. I mean, he I guess has filed bankruptcy, and the courts have given yeah him he filed bankruptcy four hundred infinite money judgment against but, but him for being one point five billion dollars. Who cares? He's never going to pay. Nobody's, you know. Well, I mean, that's also what that was in a Texas court, I believe. So, you know, the reality is, is there's limits on that stuff. I mean, it'll get capped at a couple million. He'll go through bankruptcy and he'll get washed away. It's no big deal. What's his? It's not like he did any physical harm to anybody. All he did was just, he was, he was, uh, he was, uh, he had a judgment placed against him for the crime of being an asshole. I, I do get a kick out of the fact that he's got that. He calls this thing InfoWars. Oh, yeah, it's an InfoWar. And he says it right there. There's a war for your mind. It's like, yeah, you're you're the one that's out there. Yep, yep, you're, you're waging war against our minds. I, I actually pulled him up on the on the iPad. Globalists, globalists rush to start World War III oh my God. to distract public from massive COVID crimes against humanity. Man. Do you think anything that happened with COVID is a crime against humanity any worse than anything else that's happened? Then you need to open your eyes. I think we all got off pretty easy on that one. Hey, let's get it's out not, of here. It's but not uh, China. Yeah. Last I heard, there were still backups at like cremation facilities, and you had just absolute chaos. Just, this on. guy is. This guy is really pumping the Russian. Uh, oh yeah, dude. He's holy crap. Yeah. Group of Pentagon officials secretly lobbying. Sending F-16s to Ukraine, report says. Yes. Oh, wait, I, you know what his secret. source is? Sputnik, Zero Hedge, RT, Zero Hedge. Uh, <laughs> literally, all Rush, literally all Russian propaganda. Yep. Yeah, that's the funny thing is you've got, you've got your RT and your Sputnik people, and there's, there's a lot of feeders that feed off, that feed off of those sources. Um, but then the other one that's interesting there is Zero Hedge, and there's a ton of these like want to be Wall Street bros. They're like they're like oh, they're like God. they're like Twitter investor bros. And yep. all they do is they like share around the same articles and because they shared a thing and you know they talked about a stock. They think they're real real geniuses. Anyway, those people are uh, people that are in like the zero hedge sphere of influence. Those people are in that same circle. They're it's very interesting. I got to tell you, I wish uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission would go after these pump and dumps on uh, these media influencers. I, I just you I, think, you think you could put, I if I, you could put so many people in jail for obvious securities fraud with crypto and and all this stuff that's going on. It's insane. That that that's another one we should talk about more because we were going to talk about it a little a few months ago now about uh 
the Bankman and uh, FTX and all of that, but there's there's been a lot of extra fallout in that whole scenario with uh, okay, it's in the book with 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 the Winklevi twins, <laughs> and I have I saw by the way the worst thing in the world. You got to get me that movie that when uh, about Zuckerberg and the, I, okay. I got to watch it again because uh, yeah, well uh, you know the worst thing in the world. I'll leave this. You can put a link. This will be a little teaser for anybody. The, the Winklevosses have a band. Okay. So they're into crypto. They have all this stuff. They're getting sued by the SEC. One of their partners basically went belly up. They owe hundreds of thousands of people uh, money through their crypto lending thing. The SEC now says it was securities. It's a it's a mess. They're gonna get. They're not gonna get in as much trouble because they didn't steal, but they're gonna get in trouble. But the best part is they have a band, and there's videos on YouTube of their very terrible band. It is the saddest midlife crisis thing you've ever seen. You don't, they're not they, kids anymore, are they? No, these guys are in their like 40s or early 50s or something. <laughs> I love they, it. They're starting to look haggard, and they're doing the "Hey man, we're in a band," and we have all. They literally, it literally looks like they have like paid actors to like cheer for them and stuff. It's, it's, it's bad. What causes people to go off the rails like that? I, mean, I just don't people get People around them who don't tell them no. Somebody should have told Tom Brady no. Yep. Tom, there is there is a, there a, a single biggest problem with people with a lot of access to influence or money or both is they, I mean, a good example, here's another, another one of these social disasters is, uh, is the liver king. I'm you. I'm sure have absolutely no idea who this even is. So this is another. This this is not crypto related, but we can talk about the Liver King. Liver. Yep. Okay. We can talk. This about is him. going in the red book too. Yep. We can talk about the Liver King as well. And and this guy is a classic example. Is he suffers from a lack of people around him who will tell him no, and so he became a very popular person and made an ass out of himself in record time. And uh, we'll leave that one for next time. Okay, so uh, we uh, we have this red book that we write things in, and we'll we'll come back to it. I want to leave. We'll leave with we'll leave this with the one last thing here. Um, I, I got to give Alex credit for one thing: mainstream media characterizing assault by black officers. No, it's not an assault. It's a battery. It's a it's an ass beating battery. Okay, um, assault by black police officers. On black victim as latest example of white supremacy. I, I give him credit for. <laughs> boy, he touched the fourth, fifth, and sixth rail on well, that. He's thing. doing that because he's 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 Russian propaganda. So he he dabbles with a little bit of, you know, uh, let's call it like quasi pro white slash white supremacy talking points. And he just sprinkles those in there. But we, as we found out in our research, I mean, that's what a lot of what Russia was doing with domestic politics is they just get a little bit of all, of, all the fringe, right? They just want to touch a little bit of all of it. Well, we were talking earlier, and, and uh, we, were, we were talking about, I, I, I saw that they were all black. I didn't, didn't know that they were all, I didn't know who these guys were. I just saw that this happened and went, ah, this is lousy. But I think, you know, we, we really ought to be cognizant of the fact that if, if these officers were indeed hired um, with standards different from what they had in the past, this is just something that's come up in the media lately. You've got a black victim and black officers. 
you're going to have a hard time making this, you know, anything other than what it is. Well, how is it? How do you? How is it racial? It's not right. It's and, obviously, but here's some the type thing: street dispute or right. something. But here's the thing: Memphis is overwhelmingly black. The trial is going to be held in Memphis. The question will be: Will they get a jury? If the jury has had victims of crime, you see where I'm going with this. Will oh, yeah. they convict these guys? Well, I don't. See, I, have, I don't. I don't see any problems there. Just this. This is this. Here, here's this is a. I, I'm, this is not racial. This is this, this is, is real life issues. Will the nation explode if they get found not guilty? Here's here's the thing. This is a case of I'm not a resident of Memphis and I don't care. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Like this does not affect me at all. This is this is like getting mad that oh no a cop in Topeka. He pulled somebody over, and it's an outrage. I don't care. Yeah, you know I, the, the thing is, the United States is fifty states plus what four protectorates or whatever it is. I uh, whatever fifty. Let's just say fifty-four Guam, right? but make sure you evenly balance it out. Yeah, we don't want to flip it over. Um, here's the thing: in any other place in the world, this is like the European Union. There's a whole bunch of countries all in one place. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't have enough time in my head to worry about everybody's problems and every little place backward or not all over this, all over this country. It's huge. If you haven't traveled this country, and you don't realize how big it is. I advise you to go do that because yep. it turns out you can't go very far in one day by car. The place is massive. And unlike Russia, uh, we have the world's largest road network, I believe, at least the largest high-quality road network. There's oh, no yeah. question about that. I am close. And unlike Russia, uh, you can't go many places where you can't go four or five miles and see people. This place is full. You can't people even go everywhere. 15 blocks from Gazprom without running into potholes and dirt roads. Gazprom. Yes. What did I say, Gazprom? Yes, yeah, Gazprom. Yeah, yeah the, the billion-dollar Gazprom headquarters. <laughs> yeah, what is it? like a quarter mile uh, away from the waterfront because it's on the waterfront there in St. Petersburg, a quarter mile off, off the main track, you have what literally looks like a shanty town mm -hmm. with a gas pipe running through it. Yeah. Yeah. But so, but the point is this place is huge. There's a lot of stuff going on. A, a, a city dispute like this, just like what happened in Minnesota, just like it's happened in all these other places. What you had on the, you had an incident in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, uh, some somebody uh, associated with a, a, B, a BLM organization pulled a gun on cops and they killed him. Oh, that they tried to whip that up into something. How about, I don't care. I'm, I'm tired of this like manufactured outrage. Just it doesn't matter. Oh, but I just it think it matters to the people involved. The criminal justice system is going to work it out. If there was wrongdoing involved, then people are going to get prosecuted. To the best extent that we can. And but here's the thing. I'm just, I, this this fake outrage. It's going to be court TV all, this is going to be a great one. I'm yeah. telling you. It's, what was the latest, we just had another one. What was the, oh, the uh, Floyd trial. Yeah, yeah, the George Floyd trial. We had that one. That was the biggest one. That and um, the other one was. Uh, uh, of course, I we had OJ. Johnny when, Depp trial was, was very funny. That's the one. Yeah, Johnny Depp, of course. But that was a civil case. So. Yeah, and 29 years ago, we had OJ Simpson. You know, it's been yeah. a long time. But, so, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing. These things just waste everybody's time. Just like TikTok and any of this other crap. What does it do? It wastes your time from doing stuff that you like, to, that you enjoy, and as you say, are profitable and can control. If you, if you, if you veer away from not doing any of the, anything that fits in that realm, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. Every, everybody, everybody in this, in this world, in this country, does not exist to be a permanent full-time activist. 
Go, stop wasting your time. I will leave you with this. Do what you like are good, profitable, and can control. Remember to minimize and maximize your time, effort, aggravation, and money appropriately. With that, I'm out of here. My name is Paul Truesdale. Joining me is none other than... Paul too. Yeah, Paul too. So we're out of here. Hasta luego. See mañana. Adios. That was a good one. Later. I'd like to start with a list of people I can do without. A proctologist with poor depth perception. Any woman whose hobby is breastfeeding zoo animals. A cross-eyed nun with a bullwhip and a bottle of gin. A waitress with a visible infection on her serving hand. And any man whose arm hair completely covers his wristwatch. Okay, that's enough of that. If you sell $10,000 worth of this stock, I will personally give you, and I hope it happens. <laughs> Hello, John. How are you doing today? You mailed in my company a postcard a few weeks back requesting information on penny stocks that had huge upside potential with very little downside risk. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yeah, I may have said Okay, great. Well, reason for the call today, John, is something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. If you have 60 seconds, I'd like to share the idea with you. You got a minute? Name of the company, Aerotine International. It is a cutting-edge, high-tech firm out of the Midwest awaiting imminent patent approval on a next generation of radar detectors that have both huge military and civilian applications. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analysts indicate it could go a heck of a lot higher than that. Your profit on a mere $6,000 investment would be upwards of $60,000. Jesus, that's my mortgage, man. Exactly, you could pay off your mortgage. This stock John, one thing I can promise you, even in this market, is that I never ask my clients to judge me on my winners. I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. And in the case of Aerotime, based on every technical factor out there, John, we are looking at a grand slam home run. Okay, let's do it. I'll do four grand. 4,000, that'd be 40,000 shares, John. Let me lock in that trade right now and get back to you with my secretary with an exact confirmation. Sound good, John? Good. Great. Hey, John, thank you for your vote of confidence, and welcome to the Investor Center. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Bye-bye. How'd you fucking do that? <laughs> just like that, I made two grand. The other guys looked at me like I just... That's great! Why didn't you say so? And, of course, you have proof of that. Oh, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. You were sick the day they taught law at law school. You put him on the stand, and you get it from him. Oh, we get it from him. Yes, no problem. We get it from him. Colonel Jessup, isn't it true that you ordered the code red on Santiago? Listen, we're all a little... Eh, I'm sorry, your time's run out. What do we have for the losers, Judge? Well, for our defendants, it's a lifetime at exotic Fort Leavenworth. And for defense counsel Kathy, that's right, it's a court-martial. Yes, Johnny, after falsely accusing a highly decorated Marine officer of conspiracy and perjury, Lieutenant Kathy will have a long and prosperous career teaching typewriter maintenance at the Rocco Colombo School for Women. Thank you for playing, should we or should we not? Follow the advice of the galactically stupid! Galactically stupid! Galactically stupid! Galactically stupid! And now, folks, 
It's time for who do you trust? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? Me? I'm giving away free money. There's a garbage can in the northeast corner. You drop the bags and leave. People got no respect for the brain dead?